This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Am I wrong? The anti-taunting rule being applied to horns down? Like, isn't horns down just like good-natured? It's not... Like the, when the Oregon player, what was it, J- die or whatever, the, the linebacker who hung the, the dub upside down. I hated it, but I felt like uh, you win the game, you get the right to do that. I, Oklahoma it's, it's does not- it all the time, and Oklahoma's is Texas arch rival. That's yeah. what Texas acknowledges as their arch rival. They don't do it with Texas A&M, who does it too. Every school in Texas does the horns down thing, and this only became a thing, Danny, recently, and it's weird because he's not there anymore, when Todd Herman started being a little whiny pants about it. Todd Herman, noted liar, was, I think, one of the worst things that ever happened to UT football. And that part of it, too, just added back some of the softness that Charlie Strong had supposedly taken away. So there you go. Some in-depth Texas takes. It's Danny Gallant. Let's bring in Michael Bumpus here. It's time for Blue 42. Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, GU corner, halfback, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your host. Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Good morning, Bump. How are you now? Good morning, fellas. Doing well. Danny, nice to hear your voice again, man. Well, it is it is great to be back, and it's fun to talk to you, Bump. Do you th- do you think horns down deserves a penalty? Should you be penalized for hanging the horns down to a Texas player? Man, that is so soft. They should be embarrassed. If I'm a football player, if I'm on that team, um, I'm going to the AD and saying, man, you're making this look soft. You think you're helping. It's almost like when like a parent helps a kid out in a situation with another kid. When you're really embarrassed, you should just let them kind of handle that situation. This is what's happening here. That's ridiculous. This is football. Get out your feelings and let's play some ball. Danny, as a dog, Bump, as a coog, is there any sort of hand signal that draws this kind of vitriol in the Pac-12? Uh, man, only thing I can think of is what Danny just mentioned with the W. You know, Oregon has the O, the Cougs. We didn't really have anything that we threw up, you know, when, when we when we did something successful. So any kind of disrespect to the O and the W, maybe. Um, maybe USC as well. You know, they have their little peace sign that they oh, throw yeah. up when they're singing their fight song. Um, but what do you do with those? You just turn them upside down. And if an opponent is doing that to you, uh, that means they really care about this game. That means you are a big deal. So they want to try to get in your head. Take it as a form of flattery. Yeah, I, I always I, – I enjoy seeing Oregon flash their zero. I, I, I think when zero. they put the zero up, it's good because they're letting everyone know exactly how many national championships they've won. None. None. <laughs> There we go. We missed that. That's for sure. All right. All right. Question one for you, Michael Bump. Is it does feel like there's a growing expectation that Aaron Rodgers is going to be back with the Green Bay Packers this season. AJ Hawks, the latest guy to intimate as such, and he's spent time with him over the course of the past week. Rodgers has been golfing a whole lot. Do you expect Rodgers to be playing for the Green Bay Packers week one? Yeah, I do, man. I, I do. I think this was a effort to get the organization to respond and listen to Aaron Rodgers. We all know, we're familiar here in Seattle, that quarterbacks do have issues or egos. They want to be heard. They want to be respected. And I don't see anything wrong with that. But the closer you get to the season, the realer it gets. And Aaron Rodgers is a competitor. He just won the MVP. 
He still has Devontae Adams at the receiver spot. I think he's want, he wants to go out there and play football. End of the day, this is what he's here to do. This is what he's done his whole life. So a few months ago, I was hoping he wasn't with the Green Bay Packers. I was hoping they would fold and make a deal. But the longer they stand strong, the more I'm convinced that he's going to be there next year. Then you have A.J. Hawk, who I assume is one of his boys, right? They won a Super Bowl together, play a lot of football together. I assume that's one of his boys. If A.J.'s coming out and dropping dimes, like um, Russell Wilson's agent did, you know, when it came to him being traded. Um, you know, there ha- I feel like there's some truth to that. So, yes, I expect Aaron Rodgers to be suited up week one for the Packers. I think that's good news for football. I- I'll admit that I kind of I wanted to see him sit out, but... Better for the Seahawks, that's for sure. Yeah, but I'll, I'll watch. I think that's going to be a fun drama this year. I Green Bay, Green Bay and Tampa Bay are two teams that I think... And the two teams that played for the conference title, they each are going to face different questions. For me, Tampa Bay, can they stay healthy? And Green Bay, man, they had a lot of things go right. And they came really close. They were one of the final four teams. And then it's felt like they're a mess this offseason. I'll, I'll be interested to see. I think those those sort of situations, if you see a little bit of turbulence early in the year, that can really affect a team. I think it, Green Green Bay has the possibility of going sideways this year. Danny, there are a few teams in the league whether you like it or not, if they are playing well, if they have their marquee quarterback, it's better for the NFL. Green Bay Packers is one of them. Unfortunately, the Dallas Cowboys are one of them. The Patriots are one of them. These old school teams, even if the Bears, if the Bears got hot, that's good for the NFL. These are these storied NFL franchises that people love and they have a deep following. So as much as it would make it difficult on the Seahawks, as a league, you want Aaron Rodgers to be playing and playing at a high level. And I think we'll see that this year. Question two. All right, Bump. We're seeing reports that Tom Brady played this entire season. It was going to be a strained MCL, partially torn MCL, and now it sounds like it was a fully torn MCL. From from the from an athlete, does that make what he did this last year even more impressive? Yes, it does. And, uh, you know, it does and it doesn't to me, all right, because I've played a full season with a strain MCL. Um, it, it hurts, but if you, if you brace it, you support it, you should be okay. And I'm playing receiver. I'm running, putting my foot in the ground. Uh, but you can't ignore that this guy had something going on in his knee and didn't complain nice. once about it. Didn't, didn't go to the media and say, you know, I'm not right. Something's not right physically. <laughs> ben um, we got we to <laughs> figure some things out. He just went on like business as usual. So it's not extremely painful. It is painful. It's uncomfortable. You definitely feel it. But it's not like you have um, a blown-out ACL or something like that. But it does make him tough. I heard John Klain talking earlier. He's not the most athletic guy. He's not going to move around in the pocket. But because he's not athletic, um, I feel like that kind of amplifies that pain as well because he's being more careful. He's in the pocket. Guys are diving at his feet. He can't escape. Um, it is impressive, man, and that shows just the mental toughness that Tom Brady has. It shows that he's not a whiner. He's not going to get in front of the media and make excuses for himself. He's going to show up, and he's going to ball out. The dude's like 68 years old, too, so you got to show some love there. <laughs> what was the biggest key for you when you were playing to play through an injury? Did you have a mental trick that you would use to say, all right, this isn't that bad? Like, how did you get over it? Because I remember when you talked about the foot injury you had that – it, it, it felt like it was one of those things where it was really hard to, I guess, get past it. Yeah, you know what you have to do? You have to go to treatment every single day. You have to 
do everything you have to do to help yourself in this situation, and then mentally it's going to help as well. Because you can tell yourself, look, I'm going to treatment every day. I'm doing what I have to do. And then you got to change your game a little bit. You know, I played I played on a, with a high ankle sprain in my second Apple Cup, and um, I just knew I couldn't get down the field. I knew I was just going to get into a zone and sit. So you modify your game a little bit, and you just convince yourself that you're good enough to be better than the worst guy on your team. In Tom Brady's case, man, he was good enough to win a Super Bowl. Is pain tolerance something that you can change or get used to over? The, I, I've always because pain tolerance is one of it's you either have it or you don't. I've usually thought, and some guys just don't have a very high pain, pain tolerance. R- Richard Lewis was one of those. He just he didn't he didn't have a, a, a high pain tolerance. And it, is that is that something that's just inherent with a player? Yeah, man, that's like, it's like speed, right? Either you have it or you don't. You can work on it. You can get better at it. <laughs> but if you're not blessed with it, you just don't have it. I think pain is the same way. And I, I think it's mental, too. Like, one of my kids, if he gets hurt, he will freak out. It don't matter what it is. I'm like, bro, calm down. It's just a <laughs> little bump. My other child, man, he'll eat it, get up, move on. You know, and I'm like, damn, like, where? what's the difference there? It's just internal. It's, it's your mental. So, yeah, I think. Either you have it or you don't. You can work on it, but you're not going to change it much. I just think of scenes of boxers and some of the things that they do to uh, like harden their bodies before fights. I wonder if that even does anything or if that is just some sort of mental trick. Because it doesn't seem to make sense that bruising your body before a fight would actually make you better suited for said fight if you're just basically taking an absolute beating before you go into the ring. <laughs> hey, you guys, when we were young, when Gatorade was in a glass bottle, you guys remember those? Things, yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. uh, we, I'm, I'm sure you guys did this. We used to go to the court after watching Michael Jordan play, drink some Gatorade, and think that we're about to ball. Like, I just had my Gatorade out this glass bottle. I'm about to go out there and ball, right? It's mental. You can play tricks uh, with your mind. So I think, I think that's part of it. If you can convince yourself that this is going to help you or you can work your way through it, I, you, you can surprise yourself of what you can accomplish. Question three. We touched on this really quickly yesterday, Bob. But first off, there's a podcast that is out. It's a Keep to Leaves podcast, and Jalen Ramsey is on it. I haven't even listened to it yet, but I really want to listen to the whole thing, and I'm very excited to listen to the whole thing because I enjoy both of those personalities very, very much. We heard Jalen Ramsey yesterday essentially just talking about some of the things that he did to get in a headspace to make himself, I guess, as mad as possible at the opposition, specifically one Russell Wilson. Here he is sharing what he did on that podcast. Like, crying me, like, you know what I mean? Like, say, say, and I got nothing but respect for, for, for Russ, Russell, and the Seahawks, nothing but respect for him. But say we play in Seattle, I'm going to listen to Future all week. And the DBs and the team, that's what we're going to listen to at practice, Future, all week. It's just a mindset. And I really think like football is a is a is a competitive, vicious like sport, and I want to keep it that way. Yeah. And I want to get in that mindset of like, yo, we we really don't like even if I know you until this game over with, or I know the game is over with or out of hand. I don't like you, so I'm getting in a mindset where it's like, yo, you you again. That's really how I feel. It's going down. It's going down. So whatever I can do to get me in that mindset and my teammates in that mindset. We, we've talked with you enough to know that you don't do trash talk, and when people have come after you, you said, all right, well, watch out, watch out. But when you internalize something like that, you, you, 
I, I want to know what Michael Bumpus's anger translator is actually saying behind closed doors as you try to get yourself ready for a game. <laughs> hey, you know, um, you remember that clip of Aaron Donald where he's walking, he's pacing back and forth in the Super Bowl? He's like, this is what you train for. This is why you're here. Come on, be a dog. Yada, yada. He's talking to himself. That was kind of my approach. I, I get into my own little area, get into my zone, and I talk myself. I, I talk to myself. I'll tell myself I'm the greatest in the Pac-10 at the time. I got the best hands. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's really just self-motivation. But then once somebody started talking to me on the field, like USA, USC used to talk the most trash ever, naturally, right? Um, I would internalize it and just smile and laugh at them and make a play on them, pat them on the butt. You know, make another play, look him in his eyes, ask him how his day's going, and then walk back to the huddle and kind of get myself going again. It was more about me than the opponent. And then I put on some DMX, man. Nothing like DMX, you know, for pregame to get you going. There we so go. It was more a visual thing and a, and a self-talk type of thing. Not big, not a big trash talker. I trash talk once really bad against USC, and we almost beat them. They were number one in the country. But after the game, they were all on my head. I'm like, see, that's why I don't talk trash, man, because I just like to, you know, do my thing. And you know, catch my my footballs, go for a hunt, and get up out of there, and not to deal with all this extra stuff. Now, hey, I love the idea of, of Michael Bumpus and listening to Michael Bumpus talk trash. Uh, also, <laughs> shout out to DMX and a re- a, yeah. a reminder of the meanest the, the meanest thing that Paul ever said to me. <laughs> like the meanest thing he's ever said on this I show. About this. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about DMX, and and Paul said. Like, even someone your age appreciated DMX. <laughs> I was like, Paul, I was listening to It's Dark and Hell is Hot when you were still in diapers. Got that on the day it came out. Which is certainly accurate. And 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 now to show that I truly am an old man. Let's go. I, the, the, the fact that Jalen Ramsey listens to Future is the most petty, lame thing possible. Like, the future. Like, I think the future... And when when Atlanta played Future before the Seahawks played the Falcons, like in a in a playoff football game, I thought it was the corniest, most unprofessional. I was like, Future was had a child with Russell Wilson's like that's real life thing. Like it doesn't have anything to do with Russell Wilson. It's not it have anything to do with the choice. And like that's like a real life. Like there's kids involved and. I, even Think about I the say, children. No, even as I say, I realize I'm an old man, but I'm like, I, that is that makes me angry. I think less of Jalen Ramsey because he thinks that that's cool to listen to Future before he plays Russell Wilson. Like that's an actual real world situation with some really stir, like problematic accusations that have gone toward how Future is treated, has treated Sierra. I hate it, Danny. Relax, Danny. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> future, hey, future has some bangers too, man. Like he has some good music as well. Not, Mask not off. all of his stuff. I don't like. A, I don't like a lot of his stuff, but some of his stuff is good. Like I understand why they would listen to it, and it's gamesmanship. You do what you got to do to get into Russell Wilson's head. I don't think it works. I don't think Russell even cares. I think he thinks it's petty. It is petty. But that's Jalen Ramsey. What else do we expect from Jalen Ramsey? I expect him to play future. It's not that serious, Danny. You definitely just showed your age right now. It's all good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it, Bump. I don't like it. That is Michael Bumpus with Blue 42. Bump, it's great to hear from you. We know you're on a bus tour with the Seahawks today, so we wish you well in that and hope you have a great day. Thanks, Bump. All right, guys. Take care. 
That is Michael Bumpus. He's with us uh, every Wednesday and Thursday, usually with us for the whole hour. But today uh, he is on that bus tour. So we will be moving on. Uh, The Seattle Mariners back on the field tonight. Jared Kelnick is going to be on in the lineup, we expect, for Seattle as he's promoted. That was something that Jerry DePoto confirmed yesterday. It's not... It's not going to have the same sort of buildup or, or luster as his debut did. I do think this is going to end up being more important for him. Do though. you do you have more nerves about it? There was all excitement last time. This time, it's definitely a different feeling where you're you're excited he's back, but you're also like, uh oh, what what happens if it doesn't work out this time too? I can't help but have that emotion, Danny, as the more prevailing one in my brain than the exciting optimism. You're one. you're more worried than excited. I, I, I'm still excited. I don't have that many doubts about how Kelnick's going to be as a long-term player. Like, if if he ended up, if he ends up not panning out, I'm going to be shocked. And I would say that his first foray into into the big leagues didn't strike me as some sort of like, oh man, I've got to recalibrate what I expect from him. But I suppose, yeah, there is. Like, I I want to see. I, I, I want to see if he's still... What I'm going to be watching for is, is he still as volatile? If he strikes out, does he get as mad as he did? How, how, does, how does he adjust? Cause, and I honestly, I don't have an answer to that because maybe they, the Mariners think and Jared thinks that that's just part of who he is. But I definitely got the sense when, when he was sent down that there was a feeling that he had gotten outside of his process and that the frustration had started to show. So I'm going to be watching to see if there is some difference. And... I'll, I'll be I'll be excited. It got painful to watch toward the end. Toward the end of that slump, it was really tough to watch him, especially how much he was striking out. It really was, and he just got so mad. You've been one that's told me a lot about the game of life, but I would say taking on habits that you can actually use and make a part of your everyday routine and you've told me so many ones and I've, I've tried to take some of them in and I remember some days to do it and other, day, other days I don't do you think 30 days is enough time to change your mentality when you are at the plate and failing where you can actually trick your brain into I guess being a little more calm after an at bat especially when if you're doing it at the AAA level the success is going to come more naturally because it's just a lower level of talent where when you come back up and it's only been like 30 days, is it going to work? I remember some texter texted in that it takes 66 days to, I guess, learn a habit. I don't know what book he read that from, but I was intrigued by that uh, little statistic that he gave Danny. So I'm curious if you think that he has been able to completely, I guess, rewire himself. I don't think he's going to be totally different. I'm not even sure we're going to be able to notice it. And it's possible he's going to spend his whole career as someone who does react angrily to a failure. The, the the thing that I would I will will be watching is is he does he come up with ways to flush that frustration quicker mm. because any behavior scientist like any of the behavioral sciences will tell you that the secret to making changes is it's not a secret it is to take simple repeatable steps if you try to change your life and saying like okay. Tomorrow, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat well. I'm going to do all of the right things. I'm going to read more and not watch television. Tomorrow is the start of a new me. That's a terrible way to affect change because it's so broad and so all-encompassing that you're bound to fail in that regard. 
And when you fail to hold to it, that's going to be a setback and it will make it easier for you to give away. A much better way to affect change is to say, starting tomorrow, I'm going to wake up a half an hour earlier. I'm going to wake up one half hour earlier than I always do. And that's the one thing I'm going to do tomorrow. Can I wake up a half hour earlier than I usually do? Yeah, you can. And that, that's how you build a habit is that and then start adding things to that. Okay, I'm going to iron my shirt each night before I go to sleep. So I have a freshly ironed shirt tomorrow. These are actual things that I've done. So and you, can you do that? Yeah, it's much easier to have a simple, repeatable task. That's how you build a habit. So do, do I think that he's going to look like an entirely different player? No. No, I don't think I, – I, I expect him at different points. We're going to see him snap. But I will wonder, do we see him start to dial back the number of times he gets mad? Do we see him start to do something of are, – are, are there things that he does as either sort of mental cues or just a general uh, approach change where we do see him start to react with less anger and less frustration? And like I said, honestly, it's not about the expression of anger that I think is the concern for the Mariners or for anyone watching Kelnick's performance. It's about whether or not that frustration carries over into his next at bat. Yeah. Does he, does he allow that frustration? Because what you want to do is flush it away and maybe getting mad is a way, but you have to be able to let that go by the time the pitcher throws the releases the next pitch. This, the way you described it means it's probably going to be hard to actually visibly for us to see it based off of the television broadcast. And, that's unfortunate, but maybe that's good for him where he's going to be able to, I think, hold it in. And I, I actually do think that's going to be important because the natural response when you see a guy like him struggle at the plate and, and that is visually out there is that yokels like us are going to talk about it. And I, at least at this point in time, get the sense that Kelnick's got perhaps larger ears than he needs to have at this point in time. Now, if that's true... Like that's something that would be the primary thing he needs to. He can't. You can't hear noise. Like you can't. As a player, you cannot. You cannot let what people are saying of affect affect your play. The other thing is that when you don't have success, when you don't have success, we're going to diagnose whatever sort of we see as the cause of it. Dustin Ackley was someone when he started to struggle. You know what the the concern was? He didn't care enough because mm. he kind of had this perpetual hangdog look. He didn't show much emotion. So the, the question was, and with him, when he wasn't hitting it, was he needs to care more. He, he's, and honestly, that's part of Dustin Ackley's personality. And that was part of the way he played the game. You can't change that, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think so that, that had anything to do with why, why, why he didn't pan out. I think it was with mechanics and confidence and those sort of things, but it wasn't because he didn't show enough emotion. And the same thing with Kelnick. If Kelnick were to fail, I don't think it's going to be because he gets too frustrated. That's part of the reason why he's gotten here is because he's a pretty highly strung athlete. But do you see, Do you, are, are there some changes that he takes because he experienced failure for an extended period? And that was the, that was the first time that has happened. It is Danny and Gallant on Fridays, 8.30. It's time for this or that. My favorite either or choice of the week, that's next. You are listening to Danny and Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. I really do not just love this song, but the segment. This or that, we make choices. You can get with this, or you can get with that. More Dooley walks us through our either-or selections, and then we debate. Let's get going! 
All right, first up, guys, this one is prompted by the All-Star game earlier this week. We saw lots of former Mariners. Yeah. <laughs> if you could choose one to return to the Mariners, we've got, I think off the top of my, my head, Mike Zunino, Taiwan Walker, Nelson Cruz, Chris Taylor, or Omar Nevarez. Who are you bringing back? Taiwan Walker. Taiwan well, Walker. Well, he's going to come back hat in hand. That makes me so mad. I hate Kevin Mather. Like I that, do too. That 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 part saying that and and being so cocky about it and seeing Taiwan pitch the way that he has this year when they clearly need another starting pitcher, it, isn't it? Here's here's why I'm so mad about that. It makes me feel that the Mariners deserve that sort of pain, right? Like, there's part of me that kind of roots for and feels like, and I usually don't feel this way. Where yeah. You deserve that. You deserve to have that rubbed in your in, in your face. And for no other reason, I don't think it was a bad calculation to resign James Paxton. I think it was unlucky that he ended up hurting himself the way he did and that it was going to be probably Paxton or Walker, but not both. Or they expected Walker to eventually come back to their one-year offer instead of what it was. But there's part of me that feels like, yeah, you don't deserve to be rewarded from that, that cruddy process. And the fact that Kevin Mather spoke that out loud... And spoke that into, like, yeah, you deserve that pain. You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed that that sort of penny-pitching approach cost you a chance to, to add Taiwan Walker. And the fact that he's an all-star, I think you deserve, like, you deserve that pain. I hate feeling that way. I am of the belief of all these guys, if I were to pick one, Zanino's the last one. I hate guys that are batting sub-200. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care how many home runs he has. This is this is going back, Danny, to my time in Houston. I don't know if you remember Chris Carter. Chris Carter. I do remember Chris Carter, yeah, the Chris, big monster first baseman. Right. He hit like 227 one year with 37 home runs, and the next year he hit 199 with 24, and that drove me crazy. Like I, I had this big thing. I hate anyone who's batting sub 200. Nothing against them. I just, I just can't stand that. Nelson Cruz, I've heard so many fun stories about his personality. I, I think he's got to be the answer here of all the guys. And I wish that he was here. And honestly, that might be the most likely of all of these players to potentially be back in the next coming weeks. So it does seem like pitching might be a priority over another bat at the deadline. I, I love Nelson. And Nelson Nelson was a guy who, and people don't remember this, there was a lot of conversation about how power hitters wouldn't want to come here as a free agent because their power numbers died. And look, it coincides with the, the outfield fences coming in. And perhaps global warming making it easier to hit home runs here, uh, but, but the fact, Paul just but spit the, coffee everywhere. The fact, the fact that he, he I, I think he broke the 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 T-Mobile Park curse uh, by coming in here and just clobbering home runs. I got coffee on my pants, my we, white pants. We, we had a. We brought an atmospheric scientist from the UW on one time to ask him if global warming was responsible for the spiking home run numbers. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. He played along with it pretty well. Like he didn't flat out call us idiots, but like he definitely felt we were dumb. But it was, it was yeah, yeah, global warming. Look, might be one of the benefits. <laughs> you okay, Paul? I'm good. All right, we'll move on. With the Seattle Kraken set to have their both of their drafts next week, I want to know who you guys think will become their most hated division rival. Your options are Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton, Los Angeles, San Jose, Vancouver, or Vegas. It's Vancouver, right? Oh, Vancouver. Slam dunk. Vancouver. 
We've already got more Stanley Cups than they do. That's right. Like, we already have more Stanley Cups than Vancouver does. 1917, what's up? That's right. The Metropolitans the next year was canceled for the Spanish flu. Like, yeah, we got what it's it's Vancouver. I have many reasons for it being Vancouver. First off, their logo is terrible. It, they're not, yeah, they have a bad logo. It's a it, they're they're not the Orcas. You can't take the Orca as your logo because of that. They had these really cool uniforms in the seventies. This like V, and it sort of looked like something out of Flash Gordon, <laughs> and they were great. They got rid of them, so that's one. Two, they're located in British Columbia. You know my stance. Most people on the English, uh, they that means that they are still respecting and genuflecting at the altar of their of their masters. And number three. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks in the 2010 Stanley Cup, 2011 Stanley Cup Finals, that was one of the most disgraceful displays of manliness I've ever seen a hockey team put out there, and I will never forgive them for that. Like, I thought it was embarrassing. The 2011 that Finals the du- against the Bruins, yes. Was I've, that the dude that licked somebody? Uh, no, no, that was... No, I think Brad was, Marchand started licking people he was a, He was a Bruin. <laughs> there were two players on the Canucks, the, the Sedin brothers, and they literally were oh, getting... Oh, yeah, yeah. They were getting punched in the face, and they did nothing about it. Like, actually Oh, getting, they're not fighters. Oh, they're not fighters. No respect. I have no respect for that. Sorry. So, yeah, Vancouver in a landslide. I ended up covering a riot after that series. Like, I was in I Vancouver. I forgot about that. You're right. There yeah. was a riot. <laughs> there was a riot. That was the weirdest. That was the weirdest. Yeah, so I was up there for the Seattle Times, and I ended up covering the riot. It was it was wild. Like, the two things I will say, it was an exceptionally bad idea to have either a very small car or a very large car. Like, if you had a small little hybrid that was parked downtown, that was dangerous because it was small enough that people would pick it up and flip it over. Or if you had a very large car, such as a Hummer, then it would be a target as conspicuous consumption. The safest thing was a mid-sized sedan, but you would think that, okay, I get the I get the large car that people are, like, a- angry at the sort of gross display of wealth, but the small cars were victimized, too, which I thought was really unfair. The second thing is I remember walking back to my hotel, seeing a man talking on the phone while holding a hockey stick over his shoulder. Like, having just been out, and I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's totally normal. Like, just like, hey, honey, just downtown smashing windows with my hockey stick. It was ridiculous. Hey, Han. <laughs> that's, they, did they send you up once the riot had started? No, I was up there to or cover the there? street scene, okay. and then the riot started. Like, I was wow. there when the first car got flipped over Wow! and, and got li- lit on fire. I was about 20 feet away from that. I was out in front of the post office in downtown. Unbelievable. I've got, like, still the flip video of it because you see me, like, I'm recording it, and then it occurs to me I probably shouldn't be this close to a flaming car because I've seen so many movies. It's yeah. gonna- so then you see me, like, run a little bit, and I'm like, oh, I have to record more footage. And they're like, oh, yeah, but it still might explode. Like, there's two different situations wow. where it was ridiculous. But, yeah, cars, cars when they're set on fire, don't explode like you think. Th- <laughs> luckily for me. We learned a lot in that topic. We did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, guys, this one is uh, just kind of a, a fun one. I want to know. I guess this would be, I was going to say on vacation, but this would be like a couple's vacation. Would you rather tag along with Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley to Hawaii? Or Russell and Sierra on their Italian getaway? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, it's Rogers, man. I could not deal with that kind of pressure and scrutiny of a professional photographer being part of your entourage. <laughs> yeah, but, but, so, Aaron Rodgers is going to be low-key the whole time. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I would rather have the glitz and glamour the entire time. Here's the thing. No I know, way. But you're not you going to You want to have, like, you're, you're on vacation. I don't want to shower. I want... Well, listen, all the attention is going to be focused on Russ. You think he's going to let any of the, the attention be directed elsewhere? I, I, <laughs> I'm i going to have a great time living in the cake eater life. 
We were there in Rogers. I mean, like, what am I gonna have to go hiking? Like, gross. Yeah, I'm man. Sorry. Hard pass. Aaron Rodgers is the, Aaron Rodgers is the most likely to bring some pacalola with you as well when you go <laughs> yeah. on your hike. <laughs> is that a, some sort of peyote? <laughs> no. Pacalolo is just weed. It's oh. just regular old oh, weed. Okay, okay. Particularly, port, particularly potent blend of local local blend, local herb there in Hawaii. I don't know, man. I I just feel like it would be a boring time with Aaron Rodgers. Where with Russ, okay, there's definitely going to be a lot of moments where, yeah, we're going to be stopping to do things. But while insufferable. Dude, you're going to have to walk out of each building five times so they get the right shot. Uh, uh, it's going to be exhausting. No, here's, here's, here's what happens. I, I mean, want to hang out at a beach. It's vacation. He's not going to care if I just drift off. <laughs> like, I can do whatever I want. But he's all uh, expenses paid, which is great. Actually, a legit question. I would like to hear people's answers. Who would you rather be on? Would you rather have Rogers-style vacation? Like a low-key hike by waterfalls, wear board shorts, or would you rather have Russ-style vacation where you're reenacting Princess uh, Princess Die and and Prince Charles photo sessions with a professional photographer? Text in seven ten seven ten the Mac and Jack's text line. It is Danny and Gallant. Our MZs. We're going to include some awards for best and worst screenplay. That's coming up next. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Whenever I hear this song, I think of the HBO television show Ballers, how much potential it had, and how it didn't live up to said potential. <laughs> yeah, Ballers is... Ballers was better than Entourage because at no point did I feel that the show Entourage properly executed a joke. Like, I felt like Entourage constantly set up things. At least Ballers had two seasons where I thought there were very well executed plot points and payoffs to things. But it became horrible. And my own theory on it is it became horrible because The Rock became a bigger star. And like he was like, what am I doing this piddly little HBO show for when I could be going making Skyscraper, the next summer block, but I might run for president. Right. I can't be messing around with serial TV. I don't care if it's prestige TV or not. And it's interesting because um, you have uh, Denzel Washington's kid in that movie who also has gone on to become a pretty good actor himself. And I, yeah, look at that show and I just feel like it was lost. I, I did like Entourage a lot more. Um, I, Entourage, even if it w- maybe was a little bit of a bro fest, as someone who is obviously quite broy, just take a look at my obnoxiously frat boy shirt. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I don't know what to say. I I like the show anyway. Anywho, uh, the Seattle Mariners are at the midway point of the year, and they will see Jared Kelnick make his second go round in the majors tonight against the Los Angeles Angels. He is turning 22 today, so happy birthday to happy Jared Happy birthday, Kelnick. Jared. Hopefully he has a happy birthday night Bouncing tonight. baby boy. Wrap up. Give us a big <laughs> home run for tonight. Come on. What's the go-to cake on your birthday if you're going to have oh, a cake? There's only one cake. It is the angel food cake with the vanilla frosting that was my grandmother's, mm. uh, my dad's mom's. And it was my dad's favorite cake. And my mom said that uh, when they got married, my dad had showed her the recipe. He's like, now this is something you can't make every night, but it's a really good cake, like a really good dessert. It was his favorite thing. It sounds really good. I, I my, my mom makes this vanilla cake, and she actually did an improvisation on it when I went to New Jersey for my stepdad's birthday. And she put pineapple uh, spread in the middle of it. So it was like vanilla with pineapple. It was really good. Anywho. Happy birthday to Jared Kelnick. 
the MZs is an award show that has been created in honor of Danny O'Neill's very creative, the Hawkskers. This is sort of sounding like the Dundees a bit, but the Seattle Mariners are halfway through the year. It's time to give out some awards. It's the 2021 MZs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Can't believe we got SNL voice got to do that. What a voice. What a voice by that guy. I hope, he, he I hope he gets well paid, well compensated for the extra work. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't know about that one. But anywho, Danny O'Neill, best drama. What was the best drama of the 2021 campaign for the Seattle Mariners first half? I'm tempted to say Hector Santiago. Yes. I, I, I don't think it's close. I mean, we're talking about injustice. We're talking about a commissioner, Rob Manfredo, who has no control over baseball but has no problem with turning Hector into a sacrificial lamb. There were also two moments of resistance that I really want to point out. The first being Hector Santiago when he took the rosin bag off oh, the mound so on good. his first one. So and that the, that the umpires got, especially the third base umpire, got bent out of shape about it. Like, I thought that was awesome. And then Scott Service making the point about it's a black glove. The glove's black. They tried to say it was gray to get back. And then the next day, yeah. hey, they went to Dick's Sporting Goods, bought one off the rack there uh, to make sure that we had the black glove for him. A truly fair and partial umpire would not see color. But uh, here we do have these racist umpires against gloves. Anywho, that I think is definitely up there. How about just the Jared Kelnick show? The Jared Kelnick experience? I mean, first off, it starts off with the offseason where it feels as if perhaps he is having his service time manipulated, whether that's true or not. We're waiting for him to finally make his Major League debut. He has a month where we don't see him at all, and you're wondering, hey, I mean, should he be here? Should he not be here? He's in AAA for a little bit. He comes up. There's a couple of big moments, and then the slump happens. I mean, we've had some ups and downs. It would make for a compelling television show thus far. It's been a wide range of emotions that we've had with him. Is it possible this has worked out in the best case scenario for the Mariners? And the reason I ask is because the thing that you just mentioned and the, sort of the shadow that was hanging over his debut was that question of why it hadn't happened earlier. If he had come up and torn the cover off the ball and never gone back down and just hit the ground running and never turned back, none of us would be mad about it. Like we'd we'd all we'd all embrace it. We'd be so excited. There would also be this lingering feeling, though, that they had held him back, right? There would be this feeling that not only should he have been up to start this season, but why wasn't he here last year? The fact that he struggled in that month, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was a good thing. in the Because pro- going 0 for 39, like that's, there's a lot of different things going on there. But strictly through the prism of Jared Kelnick's relationship with the Mariners— that might have been a good thing. Strictly for it, because if he comes back and and starts clobbering the ball now, there's going to be a little bit, like, even if he felt they were manipulating his service time or he should have been up before he was, you go 0 for 39, and it's hard to really say that, like, hey, I was held back here. It was like, no, you got up there and you weren't quite ready, and maybe they knew a little bit better than you did about when you'd be ready for the big leagues. And I think now, with the second go-round he at the very least has to have some sort of humble pie too, right? I mean, a little bit, right? That, yeah. And I, I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world 
for anyone. I, I feel like everybody sometimes needs a little bit of reality splashed in their face to kind of make themselves assess themselves honestly about whether or not they are maybe as good at something as they believe themselves to be. It's baseball, too. You're going to run into failure. He hadn't run into failure yet, which is a testament to how truly talented he is. But you were going to run into failure, and he did. Yeah, yeah. Part of that is this was inevitable and perhaps necessary. More awards as we continue to go through the MZs. Most uses of anywho during a segment. Paul Gallant. Uh, Moving on. (laughs) Uh, This one has to do with the best original screenplay. So we have two. We have the best and the worst. And I feel like we have some very creative names written for these uh, screenplays by one Danny O'Neill. Best original screenplay, there's nothing that's going to be. Is this the only one? Because I was trying to think, because there are some pretty talkative guys, and there are some guys that I really enjoy. But to me, there was one. If there was the most creative quote, the quote that I've enjoyed hearing the most, there's one that jumped out to me. Here's- and it's got to be J.P. Crawford when he was talking about when you go up against a top-notch, and I think this was after they had faced Shane Bieber the, uh, of, of Cleveland, of the, the sort of the attitude that you have to take at the plate against uh, the reigning Cy Young Award winner. Absolutely. Bring it on. I'm going to rake your face. That's what I think up there at the box. <laughs> the best I'm going to rake your face. Part about that is we have seen more and more personality from J.P. Crawford in the weeks that have followed as he gets more comfortable in this spot where he's basically the Mariners' biggest star right now. And I, I can't help but think about his reaction to Mitch Hanniger's Grand Slam a couple of weeks ago where he just goes, ooh, that was amazing right after the fact. And I, I like it. I like that he's also developing a little bit of a um, of confidence in just kind of being himself and chill and relaxed in front of everybody. But I, I, I think, Danny, that uh, so that wins best original screenplay. I'm going to rake your face, the J.P. Crawford story. <laughs> this, this one, I'm going to let you present it because this is just such a perfect title. The worst screenplay, it was from an episode where The Breakfast Club, uh, starring former Mariners president Kevin Mather. And I have to compliment, you know, Kyle Seeger is a veteran player. Uh, he's probably overpaid. Uh, I have to but compliment his attitude, I, this has been a tough couple of years where we uh, traded veterans and, and came in with young kids who are learning. And Kyle Seeger has stayed positive and ha- has had a tremendous attitude. Um, there's been several times, that's why I whispered in his ear that he's going to be a Mariner Hall of Famer because yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be some tough years for him, but uh, he's been positive. He's been upbeat, and uh, it's really been uh, fun to watch him grow. I'm going to compliment him. He's overpaid. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a part of me that respects the stand-up comedy act that Kevin Mather's Rotary Club Breakfast uh, conversation ended up being. He really took a shot at just about every single member of the Mariners, and that takes some effort. The the sheer breadth of people he insulted. In in that overall the the breakfast what we've decided, it was the, the breakfast it was club the, the breakfast club with the <laughs> Bellevue Rotary the the sheer breadth of people he insulted without seeming that that was his main intention was absolutely I I'm not going to say it takes talent it takes work to be able to do that however the best Netflix comedy special goes to Kevin Mather ironically. Anywho, it's Danny and Gallant. I'm Paul Gallant. He is Danny O'Neill. Coming up next, the latest on Richard Sherman, who did not have to pay bail yesterday and was released from jail 
All of that and more next.